Hello, everyone. Welcome to King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. Happy New Year. Uh, I am sitting here currently on my couch, uh, and it is New Year's Day. And I realized that I had not recorded anything in a while. And some of you may be thinking, well, is that reason enough to record something? Some of you may be thinking, yeah, you haven't recorded anything in a while. Where you been? And some of you may not be downloading because I've taken such long breaks between podcasts over the past year and a half or so. Um, it's been a hard year for everyone. And there is just a lot of crazy psychic residue running rampant for so many of us. And I think that there's this hope that with the new year, light will start to break through the darkness that has been cast for the past eight, nine months in particular, although it certainly goes back further for a lot of people. But I've been struggling the past few days to have that kind of perspective that would allow me to be done with 2020 and be done with the past year of hardship and loss because there's been a lot of loss for me personally and for the global community and specifically with this podcast, the wrestling community. It's been a really difficult year and it ended on an incredibly bittersweet note. In the depths of pain and tragedy, there was one of the most triumphant moments that I've ever witnessed in my 39 years as a wrestling fan. And I just thought that maybe it would be cathartic um, for myself, for, for listeners, to talk a little bit about these past few days and the past year <laughs> uh, and certainly where I would like to go uh, with KOPW um, and maybe some promises that have been left unfulfilled that I'd like to fulfill and also talk about some of the things that have been exciting to me. Um, I think, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't start off with what has been the biggest source of emotions, um, talk, grief, happiness, sadness, all, all things really rolled into one. And that of course is, is Brody Lee's, uh, tragic, unexpected passing, at least unexpected for a large portion of the community. Um, it seems as though there may have been a little bit of warning, perhaps, for, for his family and those closest to him. Not that that helps at all. Um, it's been very difficult for me to gather the perspective on Brody's passing for a number of reasons. Um, I think... 
I, I think the the most difficult aspect for me anytime something like this happens is that you you try not to get self indulgent about what you're feeling and realize that there are people that knew him that were close to him that loved him deeply you know that there were family members a wife children and that you know their their pain and their privacy um and their need for healing uh clearly outweighs that of a fan but there's something about being human and feeling connected especially to people that put themselves into any kind of public light and public platform forum which is what Brody Lee did by being a professional wrestler. And I think that it's only natural to feel a, a kind of shock and sadness over a loss like this. Um, that for some I think is, is easier to, to deal with, to cope with, whether that's because they have, you know, stronger coping mechanisms or, whether it's the fact that there's, there's a healthy detachment. Um, you know, some people clearly get, I think, a little melodramatic and maybe self-indulgent with their feelings, um, you know, reveling and wallowing in that um, in a way that I think, you know, maybe it's what they need to do, but it, it's been something that, I have a difficult time being accepting of. And then I think there are those of us, and I count myself in this group, that you feel all of it. And it's hard to grasp the whys and the whats, but you know that you're shocked you can't believe it. You don't really know what to feel or what to think. Then those moments of sadness come. And, and then you get an incredible gift. It's very strange how Brody's death has affected me. There's been so much loss this year, like I was saying, personally and otherwise, and it's dredged up a lot from the past, um, my own past, um, dealing with loss and grief and, you know, losing my mother when I was young and, um, you know, my grandmother, my uncle, my, my, my aunt, I mean, there's been a lot of loss. Um, and then this year, you know, due to COVID, my grandmother, um, seeing how it's affected other people close to me. Um, you know, luckily they're still with us, but my father, my grandfather, my sister, all were uh, diagnosed with positive COVID-19 cases. And so it's been a roller coaster for me personally this year, dealing with a lot of those emotions and, and therapy has been an interesting experience. I, I don't, mind sharing this at all, especially being in recovery, um, on top of it all. And I think that there's been this weird sort of healing process 
And yet, in order to heal, there's been a lot of old wounds that have had to open up so that they can heal properly. It's been hard not to think, and I was, I was actually speaking with Matt Charlton about this not too long ago. Um, as I mentioned, in, you know, when, when I interviewed him last, you know, Matt and I have really kind of kept up this sort of you know, internet age pen pal um, relationship, which has been wonderful. And, and, and we've written to one another quite a bit over the past week or two. And, and we talked about Hannah's death. And that was such a heartbreaking and maddening experience and, and and it was odd because in a way I think I knew, I knew how to feel then. Um, it left a a big hole. It, it made it difficult for me, honestly, to to even watch stardom, um, to to watch wrestling in general for a while. I I, I felt like I needed to take a step back, you know, um, with the exception of some AEW stuff, which you know, I'll get into here in a moment. But it was it was it was it was a weird experience. Uh, for many reasons, um, you know, which we, I've talked about before on the podcast, so I won't go into too much. But with with Brody's death, it's been really hard to wrangle with. You know, I wasn't feeling much at first. I was kind of just numb to it and shocked. And then, and then Wednesday night hit, and watching Dynamite live was really something special. And not just for me, you know, for for everyone, I think, that watched that show. You look at the reaction to that show. That show was incredibly special. And, and I think when it's all said and done, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, because if anything, the outpouring of love um, and emotion in general was, was so cathartic of an experience that not only did it did it help kind of get perspective on Brody Lee's death, but it honestly helped me to gain some perspective on this whole godforsaken year. When that show opened up and after the 10 bell salute, they went to Moxley's tribute. First of all, I, there's no doubt that John Moxley is, is a hell of a talker uh, in addition to being a hell of a worker but he was so incredibly eloquent and passionate. That was, I mean, that was real. That was one of the most real things I've ever seen in professional wrestling. And it was beautiful and he was vulnerable and, and, and he reached out and touched something in me. And I know I'm not alone that, that really just, it, it helped me to deal with so much of what this year has done. And all of a sudden I felt like I was at a Bruce Springsteen concert. And the reason why I bring that up is because there's, there's, there's always a moment in a Springsteen concert where he turns into this amazing rock and roll street preacher and he reaches out into the crowd and he just takes you by the hand and pulls you along with him. And it's electric and it's, and it's like this old time tent revival. It's, it's, it's a goddamn exorcism and it's beautiful. It's exhilarating. It is it, you know, it really is like the pinnacle of emotion, um, of, of, of connecting with art and, 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 and real human feeling. And it's humane and it's kind and it's generous and it's just lovely. And that's what John Moxley was in those moments. He was generous and kind and humane. 
And it was really a lovely, lovely moment. And especially for someone who obviously is grieving personally and, and dealing with this loss personally and, and, and looking towards the future, you know, becoming a, a father in 2021 and, and, and having this person that he was close to torn from him. I, I think it is obvious that he just let it all, let all the walls down between performer and, and, and the real life person and just, and just put it out there for everyone. And, and it was an incredible moment and I'm grateful for it. He's a good one. (laughs) It's strange to become so invested in these human beings without actually knowing any of them. Um, but that's, I think that's just a part of it. You know, you, you, you do grow attached and wrestling is, is, is so unique in a way because more often than not, especially now, I mean, I, it didn't used to be this way, but now in particular, there's a generation of wrestlers I feel like that have come up that let you into parts of their lives, whether it be because of social media or, or, you know, the, 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 um, the way that shoot interviews kind of revolutionized the business and, and kind of, you know, drop those walls so that you could get to know the human being, the person behind these characters. Um, and, and I think that, you know, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, John Huber was no different from that. Like he, you know, he benefited from a lot of that as well. Um, it's impossible not to feel a certain closeness. And I think AEW in particular has fostered a kind of relationship with their fandom that does make you feel a part of a community. And that was obviously something that was talked a lot about during that show. And, and certainly there's a community that exists around AEW and there is a community that exists between fan and wrestler, but the community obviously that they were talking about specifically is that, that backstage community, that community from the talent, from, you know, from these, these human beings who are on the road and in the ring and working together and and living together and eating together and being together and raising their kids together. And, you know, you, you, you see backstage footage sometimes of, you know, these kids kind of roaming around backstage and hanging out with the other wrestlers when they're, you know, their parents are off doing, you know, their job. And there was something about that, that I think, again, kind of went beyond Wednesday night and beyond Brody Lee's passing and, and drove home the fact that like community is essential. And it's been so difficult in many ways to maintain a certain sense of community without this physical contact or being in the same room with one another that so many of us have had to sacrifice this year. And yet we've been building community in a way this year that, that I think we've been taking time and care unlike we, we normally would, you know, so many people I know myself included, you know, a text message isn't enough. You know, the, the video messaging apps like Marco Polo that are out there are using zoom or, or Skype or, or whatever there there's, there's an immediacy to that. Um, being able to see people's faces and being able to communicate in that way that has honestly strengthened so many communities and so many, you know, circles of friends, um, beyond even what it was maybe a year ago when things were relatively normal. Um, and there's so much missing. Of course there is, of course there is. But, but I think that one of the things that, that I couldn't help be reminded of and think about as I was watching that show and after watching that show is that, you know, the strength that we can derive from others and who are a part of our community can get us through the worst of times. 
Um, and for so many people, obviously, who knew and loved Brody Lee and, and have experienced this year in general, it feels like the worst of times. And the same thing, obviously, earlier this year with Hana. And there have been so many, so many losses this year in the wrestling community. You know, uh, Pat Patterson's recent passing was just so incredibly sad for so many reasons. I mean, he was someone who contributed so much to the business of professional wrestling. And I think that, yes, he was older. Yes. He'd been battling cancer and yes, you know, he, he had done it in his own way. You know, he did it, he did it his way, you know, as, as, as he sang in the song. And, um, I think that, uh, that, that, that in, even in spite of that, there's definitely a, a hole, you know, that he leaves. Um, so many people learned so much from him. And, um, I know, you know, that, that, that there have been these, you know, these odd ways that it branches out, you know, and has even touched me, uh, in a way that I hope to talk about later. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's one of those things that you, you see this loss within this community. Um, you know, another person that we lost this week was Danny Hodge and Danny Hodge is just one of the greatest of all time, a legendary figure in wrestling, both amateur wrestling and professional wrestling, the only amateur wrestler to ever be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, because um, he was an amateur wrestler at the time that he was on the cover, uh, whereas Hogan obviously was on as a professional wrestler. Um, just, I, 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 I can't speak enough about his accomplishments. Um, never being pinned. Um, you know, just winning championships left and right. Uh, you know, in the professional ranks, he was always an intimidating figure. He was, you know, he was definitely one of those guys that you could classify as a shooter. You know, you got in there with him, uh, you better not try any funny stuff cause he could take care of himself and then some, um, I, I've heard stories recently and, and I'd read stories about this before, but when you hear it from someone that you know personally who had met him, it, it you know, has an even bigger impact. I think talking about uh, shaking his hand and how he would, you know, he would, he'd give you that grip. And it was almost like, it was almost like he was saying, you know, I still, I, I could still rip your hand off. Uh, you know, I can, I can rip a phone book in half or crush an apple. Just, just, you know, I, I might be in my seventies, but don't try anything. Um, he's an incredible talent and, uh, you know, I think that due maybe to his size, um, and the era in which he performed, you know, we don't give him as much credit. Um, but I mean, arguably the greatest junior heavyweight champion, um, certainly during, uh, his era without a doubt, um, and I think one of those guys that would be fascinating to see matched up with some of the talents that we have today. Uh, in fact, not too long ago, um, there was a Twitter question about, you know, a dream matchup. And uh, and I immediately went with Danny Hodge versus Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan. I just thought that that would be a fascinating matchup. Um, and Hodge's impact on wrestling, you know, is so important, too, because he was a major inspiration for the Briscoe brothers. Um, Jack and Jerry Briscoe were huge admirers of Danny Hodge, looked up to him incredibly. I mean, Jack Briscoe counted him as his hero. Number one, end of the day, my hero is Danny Hodge. And I think Jerry Briscoe would say the same. Um, 
And and again, it's you know, you, you, it's, it's not about comparing anything, but you see you see these people who have lived these long lives and had these accolades and had family and 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 had people that uh, that they've grown old with, and then you see somebody like Brody Lee and you know, cut down at such a young age with young children and so much promise ahead. Obviously, in AEW, he was you know going to go on to do you know big big things, and and there's a question of if he would have ever even lost the TNT Championship at this point. Um, had things not gone the way they had, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's great that Darby has the title. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I love Darby Allen. I remember meeting him after an Evolve show and talking to him. Um, and he, you know, he was just so honest and genuine. And, you know, I, I just walked up to him cause you know, he was kind of standing in a corner by himself and started talking to him and, uh, just telling me about how he was kind of feeling, you know, and, and he's talked about it now at length, but, you know, here he is telling somebody he doesn't know about how he's, you know, he just feels like he has to go all in at this, that there's nothing else that matters, you know, that it's all wrestling, that, you know, he's living in his car right now just so he can kind of, you know, get this experience in. And, um, you know, I just remember kind of saying, take care of yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're incredible. And, and, uh, take care of yourself. And clearly he has, um, not because I said anything, mind you, but, um, but this year, I, I, I think when you do look at the staggering losses that we've had, you know, beyond the wrestling community, beyond this, this fandom, um, a show like dynamite on Wednesday night offered so much perspective and healing. And I, I mean, I cried, I cried so much during that show and there were so many times when I just wanted to give some of these guys a hug, you know, uh, Eddie Kingston. I, I mean, I love Eddie Kingston. I'm so fortunate to have talked to him a number of times and, you know, interviewed him for the podcast. And, um, you know, we've corresponded a few times, but not recently. And I, I just, I just wanted to be like, man, you're the best. You know, I just think you're fantastic. You're fantastic person. I love the way you carry yourself and, 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 you know, keep your chin up. It just, you know, you just wanted to do that for them for so many of the guys that you saw, you know, John Silver, Alex Reynolds. I mean, it was just 10, you know, there, there was that, that strain, you know, that, that, that went through the whole night of, of just pure emotion and, and it touched a lot of us. Um, and then of course, you know, oh my God, one of the, you know, one of the, one of the most cathartic, amazing moments of, 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 of the whole year of wrestling in general was when negative one hit MJF with the kendo stick. It was, I, I mean, we can talk about how, yeah, it was booked to perfection, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff, but just the pure emotion of it, you know, it's just like, you can't help but want to like stand up and cheer for something like that. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, we talk about the community, we talk about the wrestlers, we talk about all this sort of stuff. What it really boils down to is, is that, you know, two sons have lost their father and a wife has lost her husband or partner. And, and that's what it really comes down to. And the fact that the show ended by honoring that, um, is a testament to, to so much of what happened. Um, over the course of that two hours. And and I cannot say an, enough good things about Tony Khan, about Cody Rhodes, about the whole crew, about everybody in the Dark Order, and, and about the way that, like, Amanda and Negative One carried themselves um, it, it, in what has got to be the hardest time of their lives. Um was incredible. There's a moment in the post-show that was released onto YouTube today. Uh, I believe it was today. Um 
where, you know, Tony Khan embraces um, Brody Jr. and they share a hug. And then, you know, he goes over to Amanda and they share a hug. And you can see Amanda say, you know, I'm so proud of you. You know, you're, you're, you're amazing. And, and asking if he was okay. And it just, it drove home the fact that it was like they all needed this. She needed it. He needed it. Um, you know, of course, like the company needed it. And the tribute video that was put together, I'm a huge Tom Waits fan. Um, I own an original pressing of Closing Time, which the first song on that record is Old 55, which is the song that was used to score that tribute video. Um, It was absolutely perfect. And then to go and find out that Tony Khan bought the rights to the song in perpetuity so that that tribute video would never go anywhere, basically. Uh, It's just all you need to know about Tony Khan and AEW. It's a beautiful company, beautiful organization. I'm so glad that I was, you know, at All In, which obviously was not an AEW show, but led to AEW and and have followed the promotion, you know, since the get-go. I've just, I've never been disappointed with the company. Um, I, I, I feel like it's difficult for me sometimes to be impartial. Um, not that I'm some sort of critic or anything like that. I just enjoy and love wrestling and, um, they've had an incredible year. And I think that, you know, the, the other thing that's wonderful is that they've proven that, you know, there's always room for more. Um, and, and Cody, you know, Cody said it best a few years back when he said they do not own professional wrestling and, 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 and he's right. They don't, you know, and, 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 and that is proven by the fact that we have the options that we have today, but they put on a beautiful, beautiful show. And I, I just, I know that the first time I ever saw Brody Lee, it was a Chikara show. And I just immediately, I was like, I like that guy. He reminded me, you know, so much, obviously, of Bruiser Brody. Um, he he reminded me, you know, a little bit of, of Undertaker even. He, you know, he had, he had so many tools at his disposal. And yet, in spite of hey, reminding you of kind of those people, he was his own person and his own character and his own performer. And I just, I just love the guy. I, you know, he, he was my favorite of the Wyatt family. You know, uh, everybody was going on and on about Bray. I was always a Luke Harper guy. Um, I always wanted to see him get, you know, pushed. I always wanted to see him main eventing. I felt like he had everything that he needed to, you know, the tools for that. I remember being a little disappointed when, you know, they took him off the air for a while. Not a little, I was greatly disappointed. Um, you know, it was honestly, it was around the time I stopped watching. I didn't stop watching this because of that. Um, but that was one of the things that kind of made me go like, all right, whatever, whatever WWE. Um, I was thrilled to see him in AEW. I was thrilled to see what they had been doing with him. Uh, all the being the elite stuff, which if you haven't checked out the latest episode, uh, that coupled with Wednesday's dynamite and it's just like the perfect tonic for right now. And, um, 
so much fun. You know, he was just doing incredible things and, and, and getting to explore so much. And, you know, his, his promo, you know, what kind of man are you the, that he had? I mean, he just, he was doing such incredible high caliber work. Um, and it was easy, I think, to, you know, for some people to criticize the fact that, you know, he, he, he didn't beat Moxley, you know, he didn't, um, you know, he didn't, mow over, uh, uh, Cody that, that, that second time or whatever in the, in the chain match. And, you know, but the thing is he was never pinned. He, he never got pinned in an AEW ring. And it's clear that, you know, they wanted to position him as that kind of unbeatable monster. And Cody talked about that, um, in the, in the post show with Tony Schiavone. And I thought it was, it was lovely, you know, just the way that Cody honored him as well. Um, AEW's produced a lot of content, you know, between being the elite and dynamite and the post show stuff and, and, and the other things. But I'll tell you what, it is all worth watching if you haven't um, yet. All of it. The matches were so much fun. Um, just it's worth it. Um, and speaking of AEW, because um, I don't want it to all be a downer. <laughs> um, uh, not that, not, you know, and I, I actually, I, I almost wish I hadn't said that because I don't think that. Uh, any of what I've talked about ultimately is a downer because I think that so many of these lives have been honored and obviously, you know, Brody's was honored and, you know, Pat Patterson, Danny Hodge, Hanna. I mean, there, there's all been wonderful things that have happened, you know, in spite of the terrible, tragic loss that we've suffered. But, um, in general, you know, AEW, I think has just had an incredible year, um, and, and has, um, ended the year on this, you know, on this very bittersweet note, but, but just doing something incredibly beautiful and worthwhile with it. And I think that, you know, we've learned a few things this past year. Uh, one is that John Moxley is, is when, when the, when the, the shackles are off, he is a caliber of a star, the likes of which, you know, I, I don't know that we've really been able to get out of professional wrestling in the past, like, 20 years with rare exception. I mean, obviously you've got somebody like John Cena or Okada, but you know, I think that what Moxley has been able to do, um, in AEW and, and the reception that he's gotten and the way that he carried that title, um, the, you know, the, the work that he did, it's just non, non peril in my opinion and has, and has really, uh, put him at the top of, of, of my list of, of, of wrestlers, uh, this year. Not that I'm going to make a list or anything like that, but, um, you know, obviously the stuff that Kenny Omega has done, the growth that his character has seen this year and, and the journey, the arc, uh, has been wonderful, um, and led us to some really interesting places. Um, uh, I'll be fascinated to see what they do in the new year. Um, Cody has just continued to be, I think, uh, an, an incredible human, um, as well as an incredible performer and ambassador for, for wrestling, for the, for the brand, for, you know, for everything. Uh, I, I just can't say enough about him. Um, you know, the Bucks, uh, releasing their autobiography, still performing at the level that they perform at. I mean, you know, even this past Wednesday, it's like you watch some of the stuff that Nick Jackson does and he always does it. It's not like he's necessarily doing anything new. It's just like, you just see that and you're just like, God, you know, he just, he, he, he just can't stop, won't stop. It's amazing. Um, 
you know, the whole roster. I mean, there's just so much incredible stuff going on. Jake the Snake Roberts is always just fun to see. Same with the Harn Anderson. You know, Jericho has done incredible work. MJF has just, you know, I mean, com- continued um, to, to be uh, superb uh, on every level. Um, and this past Wednesday is certainly no exception. Uh, he just, you know, he, he created that heat so perfectly whether it was you know some of it was cheap or not who cares he created it so perfectly and then he took you know that that retribution uh like a champ it was it was it was incredible um you know lance archer has continued to impress and just you know i, I think really kind of in some ways redefine his character uh which is great because you know in, in japan like all he really had to do was be kind of a monster and 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 work hard um, whereas now it's like, there's these new layers that are being added to him and discovered, which are great. Um, I mean, the, the commentary team, um, has been wonderful. Yes. Even Jim Ross, I know he gets a lot of flack, but, uh, you know, I, I, for every misstep, you know, there's, 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 there's 40 years of professionalism there. There's 40 years of experience. There's, you know, um, do I agree with everything he says or does in particular off mic? Absolutely not. You know, some of the comments that he's made, I think are, you know, they're, they're, um, they're, they're a product of, you know, haven't been in the business for 40 years without a doubt. Um, but I, I do, and it's not even that I completely disagree, but I do wonder, you know, if it if it's really benefiting every anyone to make those comments. But anyway, that aside, you know, I just think that yeah, Shivani's done amazing. Uh, Excalibur is, for my money, Excalibur might be just the best announcer period that we've got right now in the business. Um, no offense to Kevin Kelly, I love Kevin Kelly, but Excalibur's just been knocking it out of the park. Um, Jericho's guest appearance this past Wednesday was great. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole company has just been doing wonderful work and, uh, I really look forward to seeing what they're going to do in 2021. Um, same with new Japan. Um, I'm super excited for wrestle kingdom. There's a lot of great matches, uh, coming, coming our way. There's been a lot of great matches this past year, you know, starting off obviously with Okada and Naito and the dome, um, all the way up through Hiromu and, and Desperado, which was just, man, I, there's so much about that match that, 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 that I love and the unmasking. And, you know, I talked about that when Matt was on the show and, um, you know, they've, they've really soldiered on in a wonderful way. As far as I'm concerned, the way that they've handled the pandemic, the way that, and I, and I, I would give a lot of props to AEW for that as well. You know, I, I, sometimes I I think, Oh God, should they be producing, you know, shows right now or whatever, but they have handled things beautifully. Um, you know, certainly better than some of the other guys, if you will. Um, so, you know, kudos to them. Um, obviously I'll be talking about Wrestle Kingdom, uh, I'm sure in in the near future and, and, and new Japan a little bit more as well. Um, that is obviously where the podcast gets its name from. Sometimes I shudder because I think to myself, man, maybe I should have gone with a different name for the podcast. But at the time it was a joint decision and, and, and that's the choice that we made. And now I feel like it's like an ego trip. People hear that name and they're like, King of Pro Wrestling, who the hell does this guy think he is? Uh, I've thought about changing it. I thought about going to like KO Pro Wrestling or whatever. Then everybody might think I'm just a Kevin Owens podcast, which wouldn't be a terrible thing. Um, <laughs> I, uh, 
you know, I want to give some shout outs just because, it, you know, in the midst of this long year, I have had the joy of speaking to and working with some awesome, awesome people. Uh, Matt Charlton, um, you know, number one with a bullet, buddy. I, I, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your work. Uh, I'm still just, I mean, honestly, J Crowned Volume 2 uh, has been so much fun to read. Um, it made me go back and, and reread Volume 1 as well, which also is just a blast. Um, so, you know, pick up his books. He's got more work coming. He can't really talk about it yet. I don't know what it is, but he's mentioned it a couple of times, so I'm excited to see what's coming next. Uh, he's done some work, obviously, for Voices of Wrestling, which, you know, clearly, if you're listening to this, you probably know who they are, and you probably checked out some of their stuff, so I don't need to plug them too hard. Uh, they do they do great work, obviously, and, and they've got uh, a machine behind them. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, of course, the Phil Singer Games crew, um, Todd Jorschel, uh, Mike Molesky, uh, Chad and Corey Olson, Stu Lowry, Tim Dalton, uh, Zeke Gould, uh, Ty States, um, you know, Tom Filsinger himself, obviously. I mean, everybody that I have had the chance to, to work with, um, Warner Meek, who's the artist extraordinaire over there. Um, I just, just, uh, it's been such a joy to be a part of the team, uh, working on some stuff for them and, uh, obviously doing the podcast and, and having, um, you know, this Phil Singer game centered episodes, uh, released. So, uh, I'm always thrilled for that. And they've had a lot of awesome releases, including their latest December releases, which you can still get over at philsingergames.com. Uh, the dynamite kid, uh, has an amazing card that was just released. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you, you know, a lot of people I think were worried that it was just going to be like a tag team oriented card with Davy boy, but you can run him as a singles. And, and I mean, he will easily dominate your junior heavyweight division. There's no doubt in my mind. And he might even, you know, go after the heavyweights cause it's a great card statted so perfectly by Chad Olson. And, um, just, just again, all the credit in the world to the legends team for the signings they've made. I, I I've been privileged enough to be, uh, made aware of some of the signings that, uh, that have been made and, and we'll get cards in the future. And, and let me just tell you, you guys ain't seen nothing yet. You know, the, the, the big names that we've gotten already, and there've been some huge names this year, including Jack Briscoe, for instance, but the big names that have come this year, hold on to your hats. Cause there's going to be some incredible names in the next year, um, which, which I think are just going to blow people's minds and, and certainly get get new uh, eyes on the game. So if you're listening to this and don't know much about the game, you know, maybe you've skipped some of those podcasts, prefer the straight wrestling podcasts that I do go over to philsingergames.com, check them out. It's, it's, it's so much fun. I've been playing the game for 25 years plus more, more than 25 years. So, um, you know, huge shout out to them, uh, you know, and, and a big thank you to Todd and Mike in particular for, um, you know, really bringing me into the fold and, and being so supportive of, of the things that I've done and wanted to do. And, and, and obviously being along for the ride, on the podcast and, you know, being willing to talk with me for two hours plus, um, about the intricacies of the game. Um, um, Rod, Rob Bobian, I, I, I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention him when I was mentioning everybody's names. I knew I was going to leave somebody out. Rob is, is amazing. Um, his new set Kronos battle lines is, is just a, a wonderful new addition to the champions of the galaxy universe, which is like the, you know, futuristic comic book sci-fi, uh, angle that Phil Singer games started with, uh, back in, in, in 86. So, um, it's 85, 86. Oh man. I'm going to get hammered for that by longtime fans. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, huge shout out to the Phil Singer games crew. I am thrilled to be a part of that team and, uh, really looking forward to what's coming in 2021. Uh, also, you know, the, one of the things that I have been enjoying a great deal lately have been, um, 
books about wrestling, uh, which is something that I've always loved, you know, from the first time I, I picked up Mankind's autobiography, McFoley's autobiography. Um, you know, I loved that book. I read that book cover to cover. It was just in, in, in damn near one sitting, um, you know, and picked up every pretty much book I could get my hands on thereafter. And, you know, stopped during during college mostly because it was, you know, there was so much other stuff to, to focus on. Um, but recently, you know, the pandemic has, has left me with a little time. I lost my job back in July. And even though I've been acting as a stay-at-home dad, uh, my wife works from home, so we're both stay-at-home parents, really. Uh, I, you know, with the free time I do have, I've really been enjoying reading um, some books about our, our favorite thing. Uh, professional wrestling. Um, uh, big shout out to Chad Olson for turning me on to a couple of titles, uh, including The Strap, um, about the Missouri Heavyweight Championship, uh, which was the St. Louis Wrestling Club, um, you know, wrestling at the Chase Sam Muchnick's uh, territory, if you will. Um, premier title um from 1972 um until 1987 and uh just an incredible incredible book i i I love it um it's not just title histories it's not just you know this guy beat this guy uh there's there's just a lot of flair you know tells the story of the title and the men who held it um and you've got some incredible names and you got harley race johnny valentine terry funk um dory funk jr uh, jack briscoe bob backland dick murdoch ted dibiase uh, Kevin Von Erich. I mean, I could go on. Um, the title was just held by some incredible people, Ric Flair. Um, so uh, without a doubt, um, worth checking up. Uh, sadly, so sadly, speaking of loss earlier, sadly, Roger Deem, the author of the book who started as a ringside photographer when he was very, very young with the St. Louis Wrestling Club at the Keel, um, passed away recently and uh, just... I, I, I was so sad to hear that because I really I wanted to reach out to him, um, try and get him on the show. I've I, you know I've exchanged a few emails with Scott Teal, uh, who's the editor over at Crowbar Press, um, and uh, you know was was hoping to to maybe have some authors on the show, and unfortunately um, found out by way of Chad Olson, actually via Facebook, that uh, he had passed away recently. I was really sad to hear that. So the book is incredible. Again, it's called The Strap, A Complete History of Sam Muchnick's uh, Missouri State Championship. You can pick it up over at crowbarpress.com. Another book that I have just loved so much uh, is Legends and Icons, A History of Olympic Auditorium in Southern California Professional Wrestling by Rock Rims. Um, Some of you may be familiar with Rock. He's written uh, a couple of other books including one on Northern California wrestling, uh, which has been in and out of print numerous times. I believe he's on his like 10th printing, uh, which will be coming out in February. I want to say, uh, contact him if you are interested, because, uh, I know that he's got, uh, limited copies that he's going to be doing. Um, and, uh, it's, it's well worth it. I mean, legends and icons is literally just one of my favorite books I've ever read about professional wrestling. And I'm not even necessarily into that territory that much. Like I don't, and, and it's not just that I don't know that much about Southern California wrestling. Cause I don't, but it, but it's just the way that it's written. He writes in such an erudite, passionate manner that it, it's impossible not to be interested and taken along for the ride. And the cool thing is, is that he starts this history in like the 1880s. Like he goes back 
as far back as one can pretty much go in California and Los Angeles wrestling history to, to tell the story. And it's just an incredible piece of scholarship, but not only that it's written, it's written so well that you just get drawn into the story. And, and I really appreciate that. You can find him over at Twitter at rock rims. Um, again, just an incredible author, well worth checking out. Um, and then, uh, the, you know, kind of the, the big one right now, uh, for me, because it just came out, is Tim Hornbaker's Master of the Ring, the biography of nature boy Buddy Rogers. Um, not finished it yet, but from what I have read, I, I just his scholarship is is incredible um without a doubt i mean obviously his books on the nwa death of the territories capital wrestling revolution um you know he's he's really one of the premier historians in professional wrestling and and creates you know textbooks honestly if you were going to teach a course on professional wrestling you would need his national wrestling alliance book uh to be like a number one Uh, i've been rereading it recently actually um to kind of like prep for my reading to masters of the master of the ring and he, he's just i mean again i can't recommend it enough crowbarpress.com has copies of that you can also get an electronic copy of ebooks are your thing uh, over at amazon um uh, i'm i'm you know really really uh hoping to to chat with him in the new year um i, I would love to ask him a bunch of questions um and then uh also want to mention uh larry Matisic's wrestling at the chase um larry obviously uh passed a few years back but uh he was a ring announcer and, and announcer for um uh, st louis wrestling club and just an incredible wealth of information in that book. There's there's a uh, sensitivity and tenderness with which he approaches the subject at times that is just gorgeous, especially Bruiser Brody in particular. Um, and, 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 and again, it reminded me of some of the best stuff that we saw on display this past Wednesday at Dynamite, just the way that he kind of approaches subjects, and uh, while also being an incredible lesson on wrestling and booking. He's just, it's, it's a great book, can't recommend it enough. Um, he also wrote a biography uh, about Bruiser Brody with uh, Brody's uh, widow, uh, Barbara Goodish as well, just called Brody. Um, so I, yeah, I, I love reading about wrestling. I, I'm, I would love to hear any recommendations that, that anyone has. Uh, of course, Mark James's books, I can always recommend. Um, he's got some, some great ones. I love in particular, he's got a couple year in review books for Memphis, uh, one from 78, I want to say, and the other one from 82, uh, just great books. Um, he also co-authors, uh, autobiographies with, um, Bill Dundee and uh, um, Jerry Jarrett, (laughs) and uh, he also has uh, just numerous volumes of of great, you know, not just Memphis wrestling history, but wrestling history in general, Um, and uh, yeah, again, can't recommend him enough. Uh, Dick Bourne is another author who focuses mostly on the Mid-Atlantic territory, but uh, has written some incredible books on the NWA Heavyweight Championship, including one that came out recently called Crown Jewel, which really delves into some of the early history of the National Wrestling Alliance uh, World Heavyweight Championship and and some of the early days with Thez and early controversies and, and stuff like that. It's, it's a really fascinating book with excellent color photography. Um, can't recommend, you know, honestly, any of these books enough. They're, they're, they're wonderful. I've, I've built quite a library over the past couple of years. Um, you know, really kind of started in earnest when I went to, to StarCast at that first uh, all-in and uh, picked up a bunch of Mark James books, picked up a couple other books while I was there, and then just kind of has continued over the past, you know, two and a half years picking up more and more books. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing, uh, you know, is reading. Um, 
but I, you know, I wanted to talk about something, you know, I mentioned earlier about fulfilling promises and I, I believe as a creator, uh, you know, as a creative person, as an artist, um, I, I believe you do owe a little something to your audience and not, not in terms of, um, you know, oh, I'm your audience, I get to tell you what to do, or I'm your audience, you have to do this for me now, or anything like that. But I, I think that, to use an example, I think when George R. R. Martin started writing the Song of Ice and Fire, he, 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 he made a trust with his audience, a promise to his audience that he was going to write a series of books, and that promise is you finish it. And I'm not saying he won't, and, and I'm not saying he necessarily has to do it in some sort of timely manner, although that would be nice. But I do think that there's a promise that gets made. And I know that there's been things that have been spoken about recently over the past couple of years. You know, some people are like, oh, you don't have to. It's not true. An artist doesn't know anything or whatever. And I disagree with that. And I, and I come from a place where I, you know, I, I am an artist. Uh, I worked as a professional actor for over a decade, um, you know, regional theater, uh, equity theater, and, 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 you know, some small film and television projects and, and commercial shoots, that sort of thing. But, you know, in, in, in my experience as an artist and, and musician and writer, I, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that there, there is something that's kind of owed. You form a trust and a bond with your audience, and, and, and you need to fulfill that promise. And I started that this past May with my All Japan Pro Wrestling 90s retrospective. I loved creating that first episode. I was so excited to share that. And the feedback I received really, it, it honestly helped me in, a, in kind of a dark time. Um, to be completely honest with you, it got a little bit darker than I expected it to get. And it drained me of a lot of my energy. And I just couldn't orient myself in the right direction to commit to finishing that project. And to be completely honest, were it not for Phil Singer Games and Todd reaching out to me to have me host and kind of MC um, Galacticon, their virtual convention, since they couldn't have it in person this year, uh, I don't know how much more I would have gotten back into all of this in general, producing the podcast, doing any of these things, um, because I was in a really, you know, just a, a bad place, a deep depression. And as I've come out of it, in and out of it, <laughs> um, I have found myself thinking a lot about that episode. And I've talked with my wife about it numerous times. Um, and I, I, I talked with Matt Charlton about it a little bit. And I want to finish it. I want to give you the next parts. You know, I went back and I was looking at the outlines earlier. And I have outlines for, you know, for three more episodes. Um, which doesn't even get me through the, the, the nineties, mind you, but I just have those three episodes already outlined. So I guess what I want to kind of close with is, is that my promise, you know, my trust that I built with the audience, whoever, you know, whoever's out there listening, whether it's five of you, 500 of you, 5,000 of you, it's closer to 500. Um, <laughs> I just want to tell, I just want to tell people that are listening that have listened, you know, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and to also tell you that I'm going to finish it. And, and that's my promise to you in the year 2021. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish that project. 
it's it's something that excited me that means that means a lot to me and i know from a few of you out there that have reached out to me it's something that you really you want you you know you want the rest of the story um and that and that means a lot to me i really really appreciate that i appreciate you i appreciate the subject matter and i want to give it what it deserves and i can tell you without a doubt right now that where i was 6 months ago i would not have been able to give it what it deserved and so I don't necessarily know if I'm if I'm in that place right now or not, but I'm certainly in a place to try. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot, and um, I don't promise that it's necessarily going to be a regular release. It's not going to be like every week, maybe not even every month. I might only do one, you know, every once in a while, every five or six weeks. But uh, you know, I might I might drop three or four in the span of two weeks, and then you know, take two months off. Whatever the case is. I feel like when I dropped that episode one, I made a promise and I want to keep it. And so that's going to be one of my resolutions in 2021 to do that. And I appreciate, again, everyone who's, who's reached out, everyone who's had feedback about that episode. Um, I plan on re-releasing it here in the new year just to kind of say, hey, I'm going to finish this. Um, and I, you know, and again, I, I really do just kind of want to do some interesting, fun things this year. I've got some pretty cool surprises, I think, uh, at least two uh, interviews, um, fingers crossed that will, will happen, uh, shortly. And, and I think they will be uh, of interest to a lot of people. So I'm um, looking forward to getting those out to you. Um, and I'm always on the lookout to do more. Of course, the Phil Singer games connection is still there, still strong. Uh, I'm rolling out matches, uh, all the time. Uh, my legends fed is going strong and, uh, I, I, I really, want to be able to share more of that with you as well. So there will be uh, more Phil Singer Games podcasts in the future. Um, I think that those, there's going to be some content that will be generated at the end of the month that I'm very excited about uh, sharing with you all. Uh, obviously, Todd and Mike will be back. Um, you should definitely check out, you know, I spoke with them earlier, Chad, Corey, Tim, and Stu have their own podcast now, Uncharted Territory. Uh, they're about 11 episodes in. Just they're 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 producing great stuff, um, and and I really enjoyed what they've done. Um, of course, Grant over at GWF Promoter, um, you know, he does kind of his YouTube podcast, and, and he's had some some cool stuff recently as well. Uh, so so there's there's a lot of a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, of course, you can go over to the Phil Singer Games message boards. Um, the the discussion boards always have a lot of great conversations. And again, if you want to get into the game, you want to hear a little bit more about it. I'm over there as Tiger Samurai. That's my handle. Had it for 20 years or so more now. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I I just I love that game, and I want to do more with it, and will be doing more with it in the year to come. Um, so hopefully, you'll be along for that ride as well. In the meantime, I think it's time for me to go home. I got some Doctor Who to watch. That's my other passion. Doctor Who. Gave me Doctor Who and wrestling. I wouldn't really need much else. My wife, my daughter, you know, they come first. But after that, Doctor Who and wrestling, they they rank fairly high. Uh, So (laughs) I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go watch some of that. Uh, Also, you know, one thing I'll say before I do go, uh, my wife bought me a beautiful ring light for Christmas. So you might get to see my face. Um, sometime here in the near future. I've got that YouTube channel that uh, I think there's like one video on from three years ago. Uh, so maybe I'll do some more video content, uh, which will be a lot of fun. 
and uh, you know talk a little bit more uh, you know about Phil Singer games about some of the books uh, you know just chat with people and and, and have some fun um, so I, I really again appreciate everyone who's out there listening thank you guys so much 2020 again was a son of a bitch for nearly everyone I know thank you Jason Isbell uh, but things are going to be okay and if there's one thing I know it's picking up this mic and talking to y'all it has absolutely helped me to gain some perspective to feel better to feel optimistic and hopeful to feel focused and for that I thank you the listeners I thank you very very much I look forward to continuing this conversation you can find me over on Twitter at KOPW72 Um, hit me up Let's talk. It's been a while, you know. I, 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 I'm really looking forward to continuing the conversation and having some fun this year. Um, again, it's, it's, it's hard to leave 2020 completely behind. It's hard to throw off all the darkness and loss. Uh, but I got a smile on my face right now. So take care of yourselves and one another. Happy New Year. And I'll be talking to you again very soon. Uh, be on the lookout for the re-release of the All Japan Pro Wrestling 90s Retrospective Chapter 1 podcast, as well as some uh, unique treats, I think, coming up here in the next few weeks. And, of course, I'll be back soon, too, with some more Phil Singer game stuff. So thanks, everyone. Take care. <laughs>